You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. On a Monday, we normally speak to David Shapiro with Shapiro World, uh, but because he was travelling back from New York to South Africa, to Johannesburg, to Melrose Arch, we've had to postpone it until today, but it's worth waiting for. Shapiro World is, of course, populated by David Shapiro from Sasfin, and this podcast is proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Chris Gilmore stood in for you on Monday, actually, David. Oh, I like Chris. Yeah, and he was, he was very, very erudite and very, very forthright, and in many ways had similar sentiments to you he's been trying to sell his house for quite a while and with with no buyers at the at the the correct price and i just suddenly thought about that's sort of symptomatic of the south african malaise you've just been Mm. in new york how Mm. do you feel when you come back from new york to johannesburg you know the first thing that always strikes me it's funny um the one thing that strikes me is the litter and the filth and the disorganization. Hmm. It, it, it strikes, you, you know, you can't believe it when you're driving back from the airport and uh, you go through one or two suburbs and you just see on the side of the road. Yes, there are areas in New York where I'm sure there's a little bit of litter around with so many tourists, they always leave one or two papers. But generally, if you walk through, through uh, Fifth Avenue or you walk through any of the major uh, boulevards or streets or avenues and that they're spotless as is um as as is central park there's no litter people they do not you know they, and 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 they also follow the laws you know you drive through there you cross the road motorist stops not not like here so i think there's a complete difference you know we're at different ends of the spectrum and i think you find that in most uh, most when i say developed most uh uh places around the world if you went to germany you'd find the same even the uk to to a large extent is very neat and i would imagine you're finding the same where you are as well yeah. you know people respect the law and uh, they, really they respect do. their environment i i it, it infuriates me you know absolutely infuriates me and coming back as well you notice how many traffic lights or robots are out of order here and on the grid in new york nothing everything works so those are the first things that, 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 you know, that hit you. I also, I must say something. I, I came home on SAA and I've been traveling a long, I, I, I've traveled a lot to see children from Australia, go to America. Um, I also went to, you know, the UK to watch soccer and that stuff. So I've, I've, right. I've used a number of different airlines. And when I went to New York this time, I went through Lufthansa. I came back on SAA and I, the people on the plane were great. I'm not complaining yes. about the levels of service or the, but generally the way they, they're ten years behind. The entertainment systems, the uh, the way they serve dinner, the menus, things like that, are way way behind the competition. And also the planes are very old. They and, really and are you old. notice it. Mm, sem- was you it notice were you on a seven four seven or one of those uh, Airbus A three forties? The A340. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you say you can't be globally competitive. Yes, they might be uh, monopolistic and, you know, have a monopoly on that line. But I think people will choose other routes. You know, they go via via Frankfurt. Yes, it takes a few more hours, but it's a lot cheaper. Or they might go UK or Air France or any of those uh, uh, instead of the direct route. But I found – I just found generally um, – you know, there wasn't any glamour. It was almost like catching the old clippies, you know, the buses and the yes. conductors on the bus. It was the same kind <laughs> of feeling. But and, you're quite right. I, I, I'm I, saying I, this out of sympathy. and not. I'm, it's not a criticism. I'm hmm. saying to you, you know what? You've got, they've got to 
<laughs> they've got to upgrade or sell out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to take a lot of money for them to uh, uh, to meet the standards that are being presented, particularly by the Middle Eastern airlines or the, even Turkey and and places like that. Turkish uh, Airlines, Etihad, Qatar Airways, uh, they Qatar. are streets, and Emirates, streets ahead, even of British Airways. Turkey. I mean, British Airways have, have recently flown on, and they're also behind. Mm. But South African Airways, mm. you, you're quite right. But you, what, you, what you're also right, it, the pilots and the, the maintenance staff on the ground are really, really good indeed. They're world-class, but the, it's just the management and the no, funding yeah, yeah. which has fallen behind, and it's a very sad state yeah. of affairs. We had all, you know, whenever you go on a plane, you always think you're going to be served by uh, some suave, you know, even if it's a male or some young person, whatever. You know, we had old tunnies there. They were great. I'm not complaining <laughs> about the old tunnies, but, you know, <laughs> you want to be tucked in by. <laughs> keep it clean, David. Anyway, keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> just, just on the litter thing, uh, I was living in Rotterdam a, a year ago in a particular particular suburb, and what they have is they have these installations in the road, very discreet-looking things, uh, where you take your bag down, you open it up, and you drop it into an underground sort of bunker, so to speak. Yes. And it says... Do not leave your bag next to this 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 installation, which is just a metal, I don't know, whatever it is, installation, as I've said, mm. uh, that you open it up and you pop the thing in. Do not leave your litter next to this thing. Mm. And it was a weekend and there'd been a public holiday or something. And so there were a few bags there. And so I put my bag there because there, this thing was full already. The underground yeah. bunker was yeah. full. I put it there. Next day, I get a knock on the door. The local authorities had gone through the bank that I'd left there, found my address because You've got I'd, to be kidding. <laughs> I'd, I'd thrown an envelope away, and they they found out that this was this was my house, which was just literally twenty yards away. They knocked on the door and they find me one hundred and fifty euros. That's how seriously they, they take it. They find me one hundred and fifty euros for yeah. leaving my very neatly tied bag of trash next to the facility. Because the thing mm. was full and it was my fault. I yeah. should have just kept it in the house until it was emptied. But they take it very seriously and the streets are spotless. Yeah. And it makes you feel good when the streets yeah. are spotless, it David. Does. Yeah, yeah. You know, it comes back to the same theme that I pushed, that uh, we've got to start thinking about, uh, you know, rebuilding from the bottom. And those are the kind of things that make people feel better about their country. Yes. And make people feel better about living here or wanting to live here. So. I think it's uh, it, it's a very important subject that one discusses. I know it's brushed aside as a as a non-event, but but you find it the way that people drive as well, uh, the care of kids, you know, the care of kids. You the one thing you don't do, and I've seen this in Australia as well. You never misbehave. I'm talking driving um, within I don't know 100 meters or 50 meters of a school. Right. Uh, you never, because they've got wardens there that will lock you up for life. Um, you know, if you if you don't if you don't bear traffic as well, so you've got to be very careful. And uh, the one thing I noticed in New York, even though the, the people were on holiday as well, within schools or where there groups of kids, they always have a traffic warden there, you know, to make sure that uh, they cross the road safely and so on. Yes. So I think you know it's it's going down to that low level or that level that makes people feel much more confident about living or much happier to live in an environment. I was um, crossing the road close to the Cape Town International Convention Centre and I was with an Australian <laughs> I know de- that, right. I was I was with an Australian delegate and it was around about seven o'clock at night and I was escorting her to the conference and 
There was there were no cars yeah. around. There, there was nothing. The roads were empty. It was seven o'clock at night. The rush hour was over, and I went. I walked across the road when the little red man was there, rather than the little green man. She said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm crossing." No, no, no. You're not. You stay here. And she was very forceful because in Australia, if you'd have done that, you, you would have been fined. No. You would have been you, arrested. You, you, you don't do that. I have a similar situation where early one morning I was completing a run on Bondi Beach. Just you know, it's a double lane highway. Well, not double lane road or avenue there. Uh, and it was early Sunday morning. There were, weren't any cars in sight. And uh, yeah. what happened as I, as I started to cross, I was just finishing off a run. And from behind me was an ex-South African uh, woman who was riding. She said, Shapiro, oh. hey. You, yeah, so I turned around horrified. She said, you don't do that. You know, you're not in Joburg. And I thought she was joking. I thought she was absolutely kidding. And I started to cross again. And she screamed. She said, you don't do that. In other words, just wait. And I promise you, there wasn't a car within sight. I was perspiring, and I'm not—not not that uh, a minute's going to mean a lot to me or anything while the while the lights change. But but that's an attitude. You do not do that. Yeah, I mean, in in many ways, that's a nanny state gone mad. But on the other hand, there's something between that and the South African situation. There's, there must be some kind of common ground where they meet in the middle and there's some kind yeah. of flexibility. But at the same time, mm -hmm. the lawlessness when it comes to littering and all sorts of other things, driving, etc., robots being out, is unacceptable in South Africa. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell testifies yeah. in front yeah. of the House yeah. Financial Services Committee today. Yeah. And in prepared remarks to, to the committee, Powell testifies that currents from weaker economic activity across the globe and lingering trade fears are dampening the U.S. economic outlook. Yeah. As a result, the S&P 500 has gone up because what it's saying is I'm going to cut rates. And the reason I'm cutting rates yeah. is because of trade wars because of Mr. Trump. And so Mr. Trump inadvertently has caused the interest rate cuts that he so dearly wants because he's so much in debt. He's actually testif uh, testifying now as we talk. Yes. Uh, he's in front of the house at the moment. And I'm just looking at the headlines rather than listening to what he's saying. And uh, I think the big worry is that they're starting to see, as you've mentioned, uh, deterioration in certain economic factors, which is worrying him. You know, whether it's housing, I don't know, the consumption side. Baseline outlook sees solid growth, the strong labor market, he says, but but you've seen inflation also coming down to worryingly low levels. And 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 I think the the move to lower interest rates is to hope that people will start spending simply because uh, they can, and I think particularly on housing. I don't like it. I must be honest. You know, yes, the, the S&P has crossed 3,000. It's uh, at probably intraday highs, and I'm not sure where it's going to end. Mm. But But when... It's a very difficult type of environment to recommend going into equities, you know, when interest rates are coming down, when the reason that people are buying or the market's going up is because uh, the Fed's going to lower rates. You might be projecting it forward and saying, okay, well, that will lead to more spending, that will lead to higher profits and that. But I'm not sure that uh, you want to be doing that. You know, I, I, I'm still uncertain. I've still got, still got quite a bit of money on the side. And I'm not quite prepared to commit until those factors start to turn, you know, and, and until you see uh, it coming through in the economy. Maybe it's too late. I don't know. But I've got sufficient firepower. What I mean, you know, we're sufficiently exposed already to, to benefit if that does happen. 
So I, you know, Lindsay, I'm, I'm, I like where we are. I like green on the screens, etc. Mm. But I'm not sure that you know I'm jumping up and down in celebration and uh, 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 shoving a lot of market and, and a lot of money at it. I far prefer it when when companies are earning more profits and uh, it, you know people feel better about where we are at the moment. So I think the whole central bank. Um, uh, reducing rates and that, it's it, it's difficult to to uh, to get a grasp of it and to to position yourself. Go to shenet.co.za or to strictlybusinesspodcast.com and go to a, an interview I conducted yesterday with Jim Rogers from Singapore. <laughs> he, yeah, he's a he's still around. He's a gold bull of note. Or well, he says he's never sold gold. He says he wants it to cut. He thinks he thinks it's going to come down to below a thousand dollars an ounce because of the crash that he sees coming. Which, which, as he says in his southern drawl, it's going to be the worst in our lifetime, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> And he's absolutely mm. certain about this, but he's been banging on about the same thing for for many many years. I, I'll tell you how many years. Uh, is it ten or more? Because I listened to him. And I remember him giving a talk about how he's teaching his children Mandarin. That's right. You know, he mentions so that, that as well. I said, why did you leave New York? And he says he wants his kids to learn Mandarin. And he goes on. It's a, it's a lovely interview. But you can't help but love him. He's so charismatic. I know he is. Yeah. No, he is. And listen, he's a smart man. I'm not taking anything away. But I think uh, sometimes those characters, you know, as 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 uh, what they say, they've called the, what's it, the last 10... The, well, they've let, they've called the last ten out of the they've called ten of the last two recessions, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> you know, they're all. That's not mine. I've stolen that one. So, um, I, you know, it's it, it's well known quote, but I mean, it's 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 the case. These these chaps, you know, and, and eventually, uh, eventually, one day they'll call it right, and everybody will claim them. You know, he called the so and so recession correctly, and uh, he suddenly becomes a household hero. But we forget about how how wrong they have been, even in gold. You know, gold shares again, Lindsay, today on the on on the power statement. You know, gold is going up, treasuries are well, gold's up about fifteen dollars since the low this morning, mm. and we've mm. got goldfields and harmony. It's a, two mm. of the top performers in the JSC yeah. at the moment. And I know you don't like gold, but um, yeah, you can't I, ignore it. People are having fun with this gold bull market. They are. Listen, it's for trading. I don't. Uh, you know, I've never I've never liked gold as an investment. Simply, you don't get anything out of it. Uh, and and for once, it's just it's it's got a bit of life in it. The JSC was built on gold, um, but gold shares as well. I think have outrun the actual underlying gold price in that. If you if you compare the two, so um, you know that that I can't. And even even platinum shares as well have completely outrun the underlying uh, metal prices. You're biased against gold. A- You're biased against I gold, am. David Shirett. Yeah, it's, it's, it's psychological <laughs> with you because the first order you ever had to fill as a broker on the on the JC, <laughs> on, on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange was in Lorraine and you got it completely wrong. <laughs> so you've hated gold I ever since. Buy. <laughs> I had to buy 1,000 and I bought 10,000, yeah. yeah, so, your and father was furious. 40 cents. 40 cents they were... That <laughs> was a four four hundred rand order. That was it. <laughs> but in those days it was big. I mean, it was big enough. I said, you know, which broker it came from is a company called William De Bro, which is still, uh, I think, Investec own William De Bro today in London. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Anything you're doing at the moment? Any fresh ideas I, coming back from you New know, York? I've, um, I, there are a couple of ideas. There are a couple of things I saw. I don't know if I mentioned it to you in our conversation. And that I, I was very impressed by, uh, you know, I saw a lot of uh, changes in retail there. 
But the one thing that impressed me, and I, I can't remember if he spoke about it, was the Starbucks, uh, the new Starbucks you there down in Chelsea. You sent me pictures of this extraordinary megastore. I, 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 I was absolutely fascinated by it because, you know, Starbucks, you would associate with the corner cafe, you know, corner cafe. Mm. <laughs> in other words, we walk in coffee, people get free Wi-Fi there, and they're pretty run down. You know, there's nothing glamorous about Starbucks. It's got the same same kind of decor all the way. The best thing is you get free Wi-Fi and there's always a toilet there. But this was a concept store called uh, called Starbucks Reserve, which was down in uh, Chelsea, which is, you know, the very low number of streets there, the, the 20s and the 30s and that. Yeah. And there's a very popular area being developed there called Hudson, Hudson Yard. And uh, it attracts a lot of youngsters. It's now attracting a lot of tourists in there. And they've got a Starbucks store that is the size of a warehouse. It's wow. massive. And it was absolutely packed. And they sell a lot of products there. They've also got a bar area. Something that's very popular there is this nitro beers and nitro coffee. I'm, I'm not sure what the contents are. I don't particularly like it, but uh, um, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge store. And uh, with masses of people that go in there, they've got very much the same kind of offering, you know, other than it's just, just an attractive place to be. And apparently when I did tweet the pictures there, I got a response that there's a similar one in, um, in, in Milan. So I would, I would imagine they're going to do this throughout, uh, throughout the world, have one big area where, where you get populous. You know, you've got to have the people. So it's not need. just coffee? No, 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 no. There's, uh, there are derivations of coffee. There's uh, you know a better menu, a little bit much more offering there and that, but um, very attractive and become a kind of destination. You can once you get drinks there, there's a special area as well. So um, it's hard to explain what you know how they conceive this, but it's it's growing in population and and you know with with the kind of tourists that you get. In New York, uh, it just seems to be a place where, after walking the High Line, the High Line is is uh, what would they call? Re you know, it was an old um, elevated uh, trains, you know, yeah. railway line. Yeah, mm. elevated train, which they've now turned into a walk, mm. and and also a wonderful concept with gardens all around and mil and literally millions of people. So I think you've got to have that kind of attraction, and this is at one end of it, uh, you know, where people go and just refresh themselves. But that that. That struck me as uh, very innovative. And just having a look at, you know, this is, I don't know whether this is still Howard Schultz or whether this is new management, but complete shift away from the old Starbucks stores. Uh, that struck me as well as, like, you know, the luxury side of it as well. And uh, also a couple of brands that are, oh, the other two, the other two that I must mention is that there are two Japanese stores. Now, you might see this in where you are now, where you're Rotterdam. Rotterdam. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You, I've seen it in London. It's a, it's a Japanese company called Muji, M-U-J-I. No. And you, you've got Uniqlo there, which is a well-known clothing company. Yes. Um, but Muji sells stationery. They sell, but in Japanese design, you know, which is very clean lines, stationery, because the Japanese are very clean and everything's stored properly. Yes. Uh, it's, it's kitchenware, stationery, and kind of a limited range of clothing and that. So these are two brands which I've seen expanding heavily in New York, you know, Uniqlo and, uh, and, and, and Muji, and, uh, you know, certainly seen them in London, but very big concept stores. And when you put something up on Madison Avenue or, or Lexington or something, you spend a lot of money. 
So those are two brands that I've seen that are, are expanding quite rapidly uh, in the U.S. or certainly in New York. Well, they are in the United Kingdom, Germany, Spain, Italy, and France. Not in the Netherlands, but I will have a look at there that. There are. They've got an online store. Just tell me about prices, because you always used to say to me you would buy Cole Hahn shoes and Hugo Boss shirts for a, not a fraction, but certainly cheaper than Johannesburg. Have the prices still remained fairly moderate? Sorry. Absolutely. Clothing, you can pick up for nothing. And and really, when they, they offload this. But, but, but I have to tell you about uh, Broadway. I went to Broadway and we were sitting in the show. It was pretty hot and I was sweltering and um, went up to the bar at the end there just to get a, a just a cool drink and uh, yeah, ended sure. up with a, with a, with a vodka and a little, the only thing we could mix in there was soda. And the Americans, when they, when they put you, you know, when they put the glass, when they give you a glass, it's plastic. They fill three quarters of it with ice, shot of vodka, a little bit of, uh, soda water etc and i had a small packet of m and m so i had two vodkas and sodas two m and m packets and i took out a 20 dollar note 48 dollars no you see with a two dollars 50 dollars this was in the theater uh, and i just stuck there you can't say no i couldn't give it back to them 50 dollars you work that out yes the rand has improved it's 1408 at the moment but um that's what i paid in the theater for two two uh, vodkas and sodas <laughs> I promised you fifty dollars. That's eight hundred rand. Seven hundred and two rand. You're going to have to pick a JSE stock to make up for that uh, r- ridiculous consumption. Um, David Shapiro, thank you very much for your time. Welcome back. David Shapiro is from Sassoon in Johannesburg, and Shapiro World will be back at its normal time on Monday. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with ShareNet.co.za.